Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike Maroney alongside McLean Boyd, Jay Woodson. Gents, how are you guys doing? Another beautiful great. day. I'm great. That's good. Uh, we were doing this on a Tuesday. Um, some conflicts yesterday. And we may have a Tuesday show the next couple of weeks because of some conflicts with me. But we'll we'll see how that goes uh, for you. So we're sorry for a, a one-day delay on our typical release. But I, I say typical. I feel like half the time we've done a Tuesday show and half of we've done a Monday show. So we try to do yeah. Mondays. But Monday or Tuesday is right. a emergency nine podcast night so um what do you guys what are you guys sipping on eagle rare oh mm-hmm. good stuff yep real simple real direct eagle rare it's good everyone should drink it if you can get it good yeah we've only had a description of eagle rare like 90 percent of the time we've been on this fucking show exactly so i don't need to explain it anymore it's you good tasting you should, notes you should all you should all get it beautiful you know what I'm sipping on. Corona light. Cold and gold. There you go. <laughs> cold I'm and s- gold. The I'm old cold and gold. I'm sipping on some water tonight. What are you sipping on? Water. Hey, okay. Okay. Just, you know. Good. I, um, I Good worked out you. today. I've been eating healthy today. I mean, I feel like you should just at this point you should just lie and say that you're drinking something, even if it's water. But you know, I was just trying, I'm trying to have a healthy day. It's funny how he put that because it's like you know I'm trying to have a healthy day. You know, healthy people have you know like cheat days and like bad days. You know, we we try to squeak in a healthy day every now and again. Yeah, well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, if like, we're gonna if, if if half the time someone's gonna be drinking water, then why do we even do what are you drinking? And it's always me drinking bourbon and you guys Corona Light or water. I'm like, well, why do we even do this? I look like the fucking, I look like the drunk here, which is fine. Whatever. Just say, what's Jay drinking? <laughs> yeah. Jay, what are you drinking? I'm drinking water. You're drinking Corona Light. And Jay's drinking some fancy bourbon. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> as, as your New segment said, Jay, I'm just trying to work on my fatness. <laughs> I am. He did. He did say that. I was working out and. I told Mikey this last night. He was, I've had two shoulder surgeries and my son, my youngest son, he's six. He's like, why are you working out so much, dad? I'm like, I I don't know. And he's like, you working on trying to get your shoulder right? Are you working on your fatness? I was like, (laughs) where where does this word even come into your vocabulary? Like fatness isn't like a real, is that a real thing that like people say fatness? I mean, I, I knew exactly what he was talking about when he said it, but like uh both buddy both both yes my shoulder sucks and i'm trying to get it right but yes i am fat and i'm working on my fatness that's fat (laughs) so yeah in honor of maddox i'm working on my fatness today love that (laughs) love that oh geez all right let's get into a little golf um talk some g yeah we had a great little event i say little because i always would my perception of the rbc heritage is it's a nice little event but with designated status, elevated status, whatever you want to call it. We had some a hell of a leaderboard and some big guns up there. And um, they put on quite a little show for us on Sunday. Um, Fitzpatrick gets it done in a playoff over Spieth. Cantlay's up there. And um, yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I followed more of the golf this weekend than I watched it just due to having some um, family in town and that kind of stuff. And 
uh, was able to catch the last couple holes of regulation in the playoff live and have seen some of the, the replays on, on the golf channel, but um, yeah. What'd you guys make of Fitzpatrick? He kind of off to a bad start this year um, compared to where he was last, last summer, obviously winning a major, but um, I know he was dealing with it with a neck injury earlier in the season, but yeah, some, just some good, good golf and some, some great shots down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say before, before even just going into, you know, what Fitzpatrick did and, you know, the leaderboard itself, you know, the RBC heritage has historically been a great event to attend. I've been fortunate to attend it many times and it's nice to see with this designated status that they're getting, you know, some players of higher caliber. And ultimately we, it shows that that can be a, a great event. You know, it really is a good test of golf. It's a unique golf course comparatively with a lot of other courses that they play on the tour. And I think, you know, it, it it kind of showed that you, you still get the cream kind of rising to the top there. You know, it wasn't uh, a, a tournament to where, you know, the, the golf course really limited the quality of play from some of the better players or even some of the longer hitters. You know, you do have to think your way around there, kind of plot it out a little bit more. And I think that that brings in a lot of, you know, kind of what we've talked, even not to get into the rollback and everything else, but to put these guys on a different a uh, different type of golf course and show that we still get the good players playing well. Um, they have to play a little bit differently. It does require a little bit more thought. It does require a little bit more shot shaping. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it it really is a good venue. They put on a great event there. You know, it's always been kind of known as the party after the Masters. Most guys are pretty relaxed there. Ultimately, now, I think with the designated status, you're not going to see quite as much of that. But, you know, it was it was great to see. Um, you know, a guy like Jordan Spieth and Matt's, Matt, Matthew Fitzpatrick, um, you know, the two guys there at the end, you know, two of the top players in the world. And ultimately, uh, I still can't believe Jordan missed that putt on 18. I'm not sure how it lipped out at that speed. I mean, it was a fraction of an inch uh, from him defending his title. Um, but, you know, kudos to Matt Fitzpatrick. The shot he hit in the playoff was absolute door slammer. Um, you know, it, it was that's how you win a golf tournament and I thought he made it. that's exactly right. I mean, that, that's how you do it. And no one can take that away from him. You know, he kind of got given, I don't want to say given that's not the right way to say it, but he got a small gift that Jordan missed that mm-hmm. putt on 18 in regulation. Well, he ended up putt on 17 in the, the, the second playoff hole. Speed had that dead center. He just didn't hard enough. Yep. No, that's exactly right. But at the end of the day, when it came down to it, as playoffs do, um, you got to get it done. And he did that. So like I said, you know, kudos to that guy. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> Good take. <laughs> Great take, Jay. <laughs> Amen to that. That's why we delayed the show a day. So Jay had to get that take ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I actually ended up listening. I listened to a bunch of the, I didn't get to see the last round because I was, I literally drove up to, Maryland to play a practice round for the U.S. Open qualifier, BB Die Club in Egemsville. And it took four and a half hours or four hours to get up there. And it took two and a half hours to get home. But uh, so I had six and a half hours of golf radio. Um, so I, I listened to it shot by shot. And, you know, I, it was. It actually was pretty entertaining. You know, there's some some good players, some great players, obviously down the stretch, hitting some big shots. Um, 
so that's always fun. I mean, anytime Jordan Spieth's in the mix, you know, everybody gets excited. So, I mean, and, 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 you know, good or bad, you know, if he pulls it off, it's great. I mean, he hasn't won since this, this event last year. Um, so he had a chance to defend his title, which he's never done at any, any event on the PGA tour. He's never defended a title in any one event. So this would have been, this would have been a first for him, which I think a, a lot of people, you know, were, were excited about. And a lot of people were pulling for him. It was obvious who the favorite was, you know, anytime oh, yeah. Letter hit a shot or was going nuts, which they do anyway, you know, for him. Um, so, you know, and they, he did some interviews after, you know, after the fact and you know gave it the, that little bit of jordan spieth you know flair like i just don't see how that ball didn't turn to the left you know like i, I hit that putt you know 10 times eight of the 10 times it goes in on that line but for whatever reason today it didn't go in i'm like well you know dude it's it's golf you know well <laughs> I mean, the caliber right you know that's pretty high percentage 80 percent from whatever it was 10 feet or whatever whatever he had on that the 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 button it was it the button regulation of the button the first putt in the playoff first putt in the playoff first putt in the playoff i mean you know I, and i i get it it's funny to me because you know we all know who he is and how he works and it's kind of everyone gets a chuckle out of it but yeah dude you're not going to make 80 percent of those <laughs> it's 13 13 feet three inches and what is, what's the tour percentage from somebody th- 13 feet? What is it like 25%? It's probably like 30% maybe. Yeah. So know if it's that high. Well, but yeah. you, know, you got to remember, you know, the water's right there. Cow buggy sounds right there. And it's going to want to pull that putt that direction. Um, so it doesn't surprise me because I would have bet early in the day, it might stay straight later in the day that grain gets a little hold of it. You've got all that water wanting to pull that grain towards it. I understand how it happened. I'm not saying he had a bad putt, you know, a little bit more speed. It might've held that line a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick uh, hoisted the trophy, which is also kind of a cool story. You know, it's a little bit surprising that he didn't have more of the Hilton head contingent um, pulling for him because, you know, like, I don't know if you even saw his driver head cover. He had the lighthouse with his driver head cover. Yeah. Um, he's apparently vacation there as a kid, right? That's what I was going to say. Apparently his family used to vacation there as a kid. So he's got a lot of history and I'm sure this has been a tournament that's been on his list for a long time as one that he wanted to check, check the box on and get it done on. And fortunately for him, he did, you know, but I, I will say <laughs> it, it's going to be hard for an American crowd to pull against Jordan speed. You know, he's kind of our golden boy to a certain extent, you know, he's very clean. He provides some drama. He's, um, you know, he made a fan out of so many people early on in his career when he went through that incredible stretch of golf that he had. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, uh, I feel like Matthew Fitzpatrick should have gotten maybe a little bit more recognition for that. Cause he came in really trying to act like the local boy a little bit. I mean, I, I would bet no one else out there had the lighthouse. Um, this is not, not a, not a major player had the lighthouse head cover on their driver. Yeah. I mean, he's been going there since the age of six, they've been taking family vacations there. And he said in his post round interview and press conference, this is the one event he wanted to win more than any other taking out the majors next to the majors. This is the one he wanted to win the most just because of the, the sentimental aspect of, you know, been going there for so long and dreamed about it when he was a kid. Uh, just their family vacations and that that place is is special to him and means a lot and so i got to hand it to him like sometimes that's that's hard when you have that kind of pressure and he's now won at at brookline 
right? In the U.S. Open, which everyone was talking about because he won the USAM there, a special place for him, pressure. Can he win the U.S. Open there? And he does that. And then he goes to Hilton Head, special place for him, and he gets it done. It's it, Sometimes it's those sentimental places are harder to win than just going on your your average PJ Tour stop and just going and play some golf, you know? But apparently that's, that's what he needs. Yeah. yeah he's only won... Twice on the PGA Tour. One was a one was a major, major. Yeah. One was a you know a a, a tournament that I'd say w- in the past it was it was a mid tier event, but it for him it was an elevated event in the sense that it it meant something to him, similar to what the U.S. Open meant for him last year. So, um, well, yeah, I, think, that, I think it was cool to see. You know, a lot of people don't realize how long this event's been on tour either. How long Harbortown has been a host of a of an event. You know, they've been one of the longer venues on the PGA Tour schedule, and they've done so with kind of a dwindling, um, a dwindling uh, field for, you know, a couple of the the last few years, you could say. Um, I know Jordan did win last year, but it didn't have near the field that it had this year once you put up a little bit more money. Yeah, that week, the week after a major spot's never usually that great. No, it's not. But ultimately, if you put the money up, it shows that, you know, they will show up. Um, it, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. And it sounds like this is going to stay from what I've read. This is going to stay a, a designated event next year. Well, I think it should. I mean, what the rumors are. Well, I, I think it should, especially after what happened this year, but also one of the best things that we can see and an argument for, you know, potentially how to provide what a lot of the golfing public is looking for without making major changes to equipment. It shows that you can play on a different venue. You can play on somewhat of a different course, something that's a little tighter, something that's a little shorter, something that requires more shot shaping and still have a great event and still have good players play well there. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very different style golf course than anything they play. Not, I, I, I love it because it's, it's, it, it's such a classic golf course again to all the points that you just brought up but it it, you can't just bomb it straight down the middle like you just can't like if you want to try to take on some of these par fours and par fives and if you really can bend the ball curve the ball um go for it give it a shot Uh, but if you don't you're going to pay the price which that's i feel like that's what this, this game is all about like do you have control over your ball if you want to hit it far and you want to try to cut some you know cut some corners then you better hit it freaking straight. And if you don't, then you're going to pay the price. And and I don't feel like uh, the the game, the PGA Tour game, is set up that way. I feel like the PGA Tour courses are set up to how far can you hit it? We make the fairways relatively wide. We make the uh, the, the the misses you know easy to recover from. Like they're just, it's not very, there's no, there's, you're not penalized, um, you know, for, for Aaron drives. And so, I mean, it's, it's not a, I think it's more of a product of the uh, course setup, in my opinion. I know we're not to go down the, the ball rollback uh, thing, but I think it's, it's, it's a combination of both. You know, we, we've said that if they keep advancing, they keep advancing. Yes. They're, there's going to get to a point where, you know, it could keep going so far where it gets to a point of, you know, point of no return. But at the same time, 
you know, hey, if you if you play golf courses like this more more often, which there are plenty, there are plenty really good golf courses that demand control off the tee, uh, which in turn set up, you know, you know, control into the into the green that you can still have a good golf tournament and and it's not 30 under par. I mean, what did, what did we finish up? What did the guys finish up? 17. 17. I mean, that's a good golf tournament. A lot of birdies, a lot of bogeys. It's fun to watch. We had a you know playoff down the stretch. I mean, that's everyone was in the end of the day, everybody was happy. You know, I, I think, you know, as a fan, and we've I think we all can agree, um, we we want to see we want to see drama at in the end. We want to see a, a competitive test on the back nine, and we want to see people in the mix. Um, and that's why everybody loves Augusta because it usually produces some type of drama when we see somebody run away from the field it's like it's like all right great you know this guy's four shot lead you know four holes ago i'm turning the channel you know i'm not watching anymore um so the more golf courses that that give uh that very variability you know where um you know you've got some bogeys you got some birdies and it gets close you put a lot of guys in the mix you got short hitters we got long hitters you know hey i'm the guy who hits it right down the middle every time and i know i'm going to give myself a a a really good approach into the green hey i'm the guy who hits it 320 and i'm going to try to take it over the tree and i'm going to try to make a couple eagles and i'm also make a couple bogeys but i'm going to be in the mix you know that that's fun in my opinion that's that throws a whole bunch of of people into the into the uh, into the realm of who can win, you know, it's like, Hey, can Zach Johnson win? Can, you know, you know, I always throw Dustin Johnson in there and he's not even on the PJ tour anymore. So I can't throw his name in there, but you know, anybody else who hits it long, you know, and, and none of the guys who are really in the, in the mix there at the end were, were guys who hit it long, but that that's, what's fun in my opinion. So I, 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 love it. I love it. I hope they do it again. I hope they keep, keep it going. Elevated event. You still saw Rom shoot 64. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's one of the longer players in the game. You know, you saw, um, you know, Scheffler was in it for a little while. He's one of the longer players in the game. So it doesn't pull them out. It really. Sahith, kinda, he came in T5. He hits it a mile. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it doesn't, I'm not trying to say it levels the playing field, but I think it does make it more competitive for the majority yeah. of the field. But, Jay, you, you hit on something a second ago that I want to go back to real quick. When you talk about, you know, if you – drive it long in in those uh on those holes and you hit it out of play you know you have to you're penalized hitting it back in when you brought up augusta one of the things that really surprised me at augusta was that the rough was not very long it's pristine that's not a negative towards augusta if you're listening uh fred i promise uh, no negatives um but at the end of the day i was surprised at the length of the rough and i don't feel like it was something that altered the ability to advance the golf ball maybe as much as i thought it would in a major championship so well, go ahead no i was just saying so that that to me was a little bit surprising when you look at a place like harbor town you know you get it out of play there there are trees everywhere i mean everywhere and they're right there on top of the fairway so it hasn't been thinned out quite as much as probably Augusta has because Augusta needs the ability to get the air through there and some sunlight to keep that grass looking as pristine as they do. Um, but, you know, I, I think you brought up a good point with saying if someone is has the ability to hit the distance, they want to try to shape it up there, what is the penalty for doing so? And I think Harbortown provides that aspect to where, you know, a guy like Rom can bomb it down there, but if he misses the fairway – 
and you've got you know a shorter hitter, uh, you know Zach Johnson, for example, who I think shot sixty six the first day. You know he may be in the fairway with a six iron in, but he's in the middle of the fairway and he's got a, a clear shot to the hole. Whereas you know Rom or someone hits it off off the fairway and he gets a little bit into that rough. It's a little bit thicker and also has more trees to to dictate you know what kind of shot you're going to be able to play from there. So well, we're going to cut down all all the trees, right? Didn't we want, didn't we all agree that we just we, cut down all the trees? Yeah, I did not. I did not. I mean, well, I would argue, I would argue Augusta needs to get rid of all their rough. So the ball then actually runs into trouble. Like and, they, and they used yeah, in the past. The trouble. What's the trouble? The, the trees. The trees. But what if we cut down all the trees? <laughs> I'm not doing this right now. I'm not. You're trying to goat me into something and I'm not going to do it. But Augusta used to not have rough, and that would the ball would would run into the pine straw and under the trees, where that doesn't happen anymore because they have that little thin, um, thin cut line there. Right. One time that I, I went, it's it's on all fairway length. It was just, it was kind of like yeah. uh, similar to what they they did at uh, Piner Summer Two. So it was it was all everything's fairway, fairway length, and the ball would just run and. Bounce. Bounce around, and if you hit it too far out of the fairway, you're, you're in, in, at at punish number two. Now you're you're rolling into the Those sandy waste areas. areas. Sandy waste areas. Yeah, exactly right. Natural so, areas. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. You, you 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 go one of two ways. You're right, McLean. It's like, hey, do we want to have do we want to have thick rough where the ball? If you miss the fairway, now you have trouble advancing it, you know, with control to get it to the green. Or do Mike, like you said, do we just keep it all fairway length and keep the trees where and keep it really firm and fast where balls are just bouncing everywhere? Um, you know, it, it, I think both of them are, are are valid and they're different types of golf courses, styles, different styles. But I think they both add to the drama, and and you still have to have control over your ball. And I think. The way the majority of the golf courses we see now, day in and day out on PJ Tour, there are no trees. It's big. It's open. Fairways are relatively wide. I say relatively wide because they're still very narrow, comparatively speaking to the the general public and their their you know their country club. Um, but there's really no trouble. There's just no trouble. Like in the in they they don't the rough is not thick enough to where the guys can't advance the ball. So it's like, hey, if, if the pin's back left, I missed the ball to the I missed the ball on the right, the right rough. Even if it gets through the intermediate rough, it gets into the full rough. I know I can chunk and run it out because I hit it so far now. I've got an eight iron. I can I can blast it up and bounce it up on the green. I can two putt and get up and down, vice versa, pins back right. This is what Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods made a bulk of his money in his in his career. Uh, his career wins came from him driving the ball really poorly, but having enough control over his ball to miss in the correct side of the fairway. He did that in the I wouldn't say in the early two thousands because he was very dominant and drove the ball very well. Um, but once he started working with Haney and started really hitting his driver really poorly, he was good enough to know. And that's the truth. I mean, you can go back and look at the stats. I mean, no, it's, you're it dead right. I, I love it. it. Yeah, it's 100 percent correct. He, he's he, he, when he was working with Butch Harmon in 2000 to 2001. I mean, there was a time there where he almost hit 70 percent of his fairways and hit like, over 70. 72, 73 percent of his greens. I mean, and he was the best putter. Like it was, we and know the longest. And with all this, it was like it was not even. It was like a whole nother level. It was like an alien playing golf and beating the brakes up everybody. But once he started working with Haney, 
he started spraying the ball all over the place. You know, no need to go down that rabbit hole. It, the facts are the facts. He drove the ball. He had 50, 55% of the fairways. He was good enough to miss the ball on the correct side of the fairway because he knew there was the, the golf courses were bigger. They were open. He could say, hey, I can miss it to the right side of the fairway, pins back left. I can make it, miss it on the left side of the fairway, pins back right. And he's such a great iron player, so strong. He can hack the ball up on the green. There was no real penalty for him to miss the fairway. So I would love to see, to your point, McLean, to your point, Mike, either we keep the trees and and have it fairway link balls running all over the place, or we grow the rough up and, and narrow the fairways. Find a way to put a premium on driving the ball in the fairway so you can control your ball. That's that's I think that would be a that that'd make a huge difference moving forward without diving too much on how far we hit it. Like, okay, let's let's limit how far it can it advances, but let's put a premium on on keeping the ball in play. Yeah. So without getting into this huge debate, just like my my style preference, I think it's more entertaining when there's wider fairways, shorter grass, and the ball's running. Because I think it's exciting when the ball's on the ground rolling. Mm-hmm. Versus when the ball just just stopped, I think from even from a viewer standpoint, it's it's more interesting watching that ball roll and roll. That's why I, I love golf courses that have like collection areas around the greens mm-hmm. when balls just crest a, they just get running a little bit. They go over the the left edge of the green and it goes down twenty yards, and then now you have an interesting shot coming back versus just hitting thick rough around it and the ball just stops there. That's just not as entertaining of a, of a product to me. That's my personal well, I, preference. I agree with that. I think there's a, there's a mix between the two. I think you can grow that rough out in the fairways and still have those collection areas up around the greens. Um, I think that's what you see at some of the best courses. I, I mean, if you look at historical data from what Piners number two used to be, that's a lot of what that golf course was. You know, there were a lot of collection areas, a lot of roll-offs around the greens, but the rough and the fairway was still very long and still very tough to uh, to advance the ball. And I think there's there's a happy medium there. And I think Harbortown did a good job this week of showing that, you know, you can set up a golf course a little bit differently. You can have a little bit different layout. It doesn't have to be the longest golf course in the world and still provide great drama, a great event, something that didn't necessarily alienate either side of the game in terms of your longer hitters versus your shorter hitters. Because look, at the end of the day, you know, Jordan Spieth is not considered one of the longest hitters out there, but he still he still can get to 180 mile an hour ball speed, which is fast. That's not he's not a short hitter by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, when you look at you know, a guy like that who obviously has a very solid, you know, all around game outside of his driving, quite frankly, that, that's probably the worst part of his game. Uh, but he's still able to go out there and be competitive on a golf course that places such a premium in ball placement off the tee. I think it just should open up more eyes than maybe it does. And show that there is a little bit of a different way that we can go about this and achieve the same result just albeit in a different format let me let me ask you i want to ask you guys a question about speed do you guys think he's back there, there it feels like when you watch the coverage and listen to some of the talking heads from week to week that there's still a lot of these question marks around speed well the I, tough I mean, part is how do you how do you define back and that that's the that's the biggest thing that we've done such question. a poor job of over the years especially with tiger more so than anyone because You know, a guy can go out and have an incredible year, but not live up to what they once did. And no one considers him necessarily back. 
well, I'm sorry, he finished like fifth on the money list. And this is arbitrary numbers that I'm throwing out. But a guy can go out, finish fifth on the money list. Um, He can win maybe only one time, but have a lot of other um, tournaments where he's in contention, makes a a bunch of big checks, uh, qualifies for every event, possibly makes it on a a Ryder Cup team or a President's Cup team. And people still don't give him the credit of saying he's back because he didn't get into the winner's circle four to five times that year. I don't think that we can necessarily say that he's, back or not back i will say that i think he is very much more so in control of his game probably better than he has been since he went on that incredible run but the problem is that because he went on that incredible run people are judging his play differently than they would any other golfer i think there's a lot of golfers out there that if they had this sort of season we'd be talking about them cementing themselves as one of the top players in the game, especially if you had an up-and-comer come out of nowhere and all of a sudden start to really play well. You know, Sahit Tagala is a great, great example of that right now. You know, no one's arguing whether or not the guy's back, but he's playing incredible golf. He's finishing high. In a, he's com, uh, in contention in a lot of events. He's finishing high on the money list, high on the FedEx Cup points list, um, and he's doing a, a great job. But people view it differently because he hasn't had that previous success. And the previous success is almost, uh, I don't want to say a deterrent, but it almost handicaps that player because of how he's being judged and portrayed by the mm-hmm. media. Sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. you look at you look at him and he was, I looked up his ranking. So at the end of 2020, so almost two and a half years ago, he was 86 in the world rankings. I didn't realize he got that low. He was 86 in the world rankings. He's now up to number nine after the runner-up this week. And you look at his stats, at least on this season. Yeah, you're right. His worst stat is off the tee. He's 76th, 59th in putting. So, yeah, he's not putting like he was during that crazy stretch. But he's still a, a representative putter. He's top 20 tee to green even being 76 off the tee. So he's yeah, 70, I, you said he's, he's, what is he? T to green T to green. He's 19th. Wow. He's top 20 player. Well, I mean, how do you not, I mean, how do you not? I mean, I, I hate using the word. Is he back? I just, I don't know. I just, sure. I, it, I know. And, and that's not a negative on what you said, Mike. No, no, no. I got you. It. But it's just one of those situations where it's like, because he's not getting in the winner circle more often, people still have that doubt when you just really want to look at him and be like, sorry, he's a top 10 player in the world. Right. That's, that's why I asked the question, that's because when you listen to the guys impressive. on the golf channel or wherever, they're always like, Oh, well, you know, does he still have it? Does you know, can you trust him? I'm like, well, he's a top 10 player in the world. Like, what do you want? What else do you want the guy to do? He's not going to win three majors that's every exactly year. Right. Like, that's exactly right. So, yeah, I, I will say, and, and, and you know, back, is he back? That's always like, you're comparing him to a past, a past self, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, is like you said, is he going to win three majors in two years? I mean, no, but if he did that every two, two to three years, he'd be the greatest player of all time. Ever. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just not, not feasible. No one's, no one's done that. No one's going, going to do that. Um, but I will say if you're comparing different aspects of his game, I think he's I think he's hitting the ball based on the stats that you've said too, just and just from sheer observation. I feel like he's he's hitting the ball better than he has in the past. And he's putting he, he's 
he's better. He's putting better than he has the last couple of years, but it's still very streaky. Like he'll go through moments where he'll hit some really great parts and he'll miss a three footer. I'm like, what, what just happened? Yeah. You know, how, how did you, well, how'd you miss that? He seems to uh, put well in the moment he needs to sometimes. And we can't forget that tiger who we view as one of the best putters of all time stats never really dictated that he made the putts when he needed to. And that's why when you look at that stat, Mike, we said, what he's 59th in putting. Is that what you said? Yeah. So when you look at that stat, you know, that is, um, you know, it's evident of what the entire year looks like, but when he's in contention, the guy seems to putt pretty well. And that's what people remember. And that's what we remember from tiger. Yeah, I mean he's strokes gained total. He's fifteenth right now on the on the PJ tour this year. So yeah. I think I think there's definitely when I watch him at least, I, I feel like there's less now he's still volatile, right? You look at his scorecard every week or in a given round, and he's still will go birdie, birdie, bogey, eagle, double. Like there's still some of that almost like old school Phil Mickelson volatility yeah, with his scorecard at times. But I, I'd feel like when I watch him step over a shot that I don't feel like he's going to, oh, this could go anywhere. Or, you know, especially a couple of years ago with his driver, he stood up on the on the tee box and you had no clue on what he was going to do. I, I feel like he's swinging like he trusts himself a little bit more and trusts his own game and his own swing a little bit more. So, uh, again, I love the guy. It's fun when he's in contention. He's not as boring or as slow to watch as Patrick Cantlay. Jesus Christ. But I will say before we go there, some of that volatility, I think, is one of the reasons that we love watching him and why he has some of the fanhood that he does. You know, people like to see um, adversity and they like to see winning. So yeah. he he does a great job of of hammering out both of those and damn near every round. It's like watching a soap opera when when he's out there. You know, you hear him talking and conversing with with Greller and it's like it's like it. It's pure entertainment. Like love him or hate him, you want to watch and see what he's going to do. Is he well, going to pull there's... a miracle shot, or is he going to just totally blow it? Like people don't know, and that's why they want to watch. There's also so many like robots on the PGA Tour now, from a yeah. personality standpoint, and they don't show any emotion, good or bad. So you get a little of that with with mm-hmm. Jordan, and so I think that's what makes him kind of endearing to um, a lot of fans. But all I mean, right, let's. The, I'm sure the people in Spain probably say the same thing about Sergio. Yeah. No, because he's just a whiny little bitch. <laughs> okay. That's yeah, an aggressive take. <laughs> an accurate take. I mean, how is he? He's not, not much different than Jordan Speed. I think he's very different than Jordan Speed. I mean, I, I, uh, not really. No, he's a complete dick, and Jordan's a class, classy guy. I mean, they. I'm talking about the product of the way that they play and the way that they kind of talk out loud and express themselves. They're very I think similar. It's different. I think it's different. Really? I don't think I do. so. I mean, I, I think they're you very can, similar. You can, you can both talk out, out loud and be very different. Uh, I, they, both, they both come across as very whiny. I'll give them both that. Um, sure, but I think Jordan does it in a different of, way. I think Jordan whines inwardly at himself. And Sergio's always looking, well, always looking for someone to blame. I agree yeah. with that. Jordan is more in the moment with Greller talking it out, and he's, and he's very frustrated at himself. He gets a bad shot. He's like, "Come on, Jordan! Like, what the fuck? You know, like he's he's pissed at himself. Yeah. He's whining, 
But Jordan doesn't do it in press conferences the way Sergio. And Sergio's yeah. always and blaming like Sergio. other people for it, and then gets pissy with the media when they ask him about it. And he, he's not a very he's not a very self aware person. I think Jordan's very self aware. Makes a statement like, "If I hit that butt, you know, ten times, I make it eight out of eight out of ten times from a thirteen feet." Yeah, and Sergio would have said, "Yeah, I, the the greens were too bumpy, and that's why I missed it." I mean, they both sound like a complaint and an excuse to me. So they they all sound the same to, to my ears. So I, I get where you're trying to go with this. I think but Speed's saying the, like the, I, I hit a good putt. A lot of times that putt's going to go in. No, he says eighty percent of the time it goes in, which is sure. an exaggeration. Right? Yeah, it's an definitely exaggeration. And he's basically saying I'm so good, I'm such a good putter that goes in every time. I don't know how that. I don't know how that yeah, ball did. Sergio whines about the golf gods are against them. So sure, sure. They, that, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. They kind of they kind of sound the same. Jay, is it? Uh, is it? They don't. Unlike a professional golfer to be confident. No, not at all. Not yeah, at all. These guys always fake confidence. Sure, sure. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that they're very similar. No. You're wrong there, but that's okay. I'm not wrong. (laughs) I am not wrong on that. Um, Um, But anyway, let's get to Cantlay and pace a play on the PGA Tour. He's now the poster child. Rain delay. He is now the poster child. I think he's. I I said it last week. I thought he got too much heat regarding the Masters, and now everyone's out to get him and clocking him and pointing him. And he is slow. I'm not saying, but listen, folks, he's not the only one. There's about 75 other guys that are probably in his same shoes that just don't get the attention. One, because they're not in contention and they're clogging up the golf course on the first tee time of the day. He's on the third, second to last or last or whatever it is on these tournaments and the TV's on him. So he gets more um, coverage, but he is slow. So I, I don't really want to make this a, a can't lay discussion. What do you do about pace of play on the PGA tour? Well, I think, Look, some people said, uh, you know, there needs to be a, a, not the best way to say it, but ultimately with what's happened in baseball and the pitch clock that they've, uh, they've instituted, they took the average length of a game down like 45 minutes. I mean, it's impressive. It's, it's a ton. It's crazy how fast it's they massive. are now. And I went to a minor league game earlier this year um, at spring training here and it the game is so much more fun to watch. It is so much more fun to watch. Um, with, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily the answer, but ultimately watching Cantlay and the thing that's become evident to me is he's just not ready to play. He waits until it's his turn to then go through all the motions. You know, he doesn't, he's not going through the motions while the other players hitting. It seems like he is kind of waiting to the last second to go through, make a decision, figure out what direction he's going to hit a shot. And then he stands over the ball longer than every, everyone else, which is... He stands over the ball a, a long time. And you're right, Mike. He has gotten a little bit of unfair coverage, especially with the internet just absolutely taking off. The internet's undefeated. It's been incredible seeing some of these memes. I mean, they showed that Happy Gilmore five-putted in the same amount of time that Cantley took to hit a drive. Uh, and that was fantastic. But at the same time, once you watch it and you start looking at it, I saw the one at the Heritage this week. I don't know if you guys by chance saw this video. He's over in the right trees, which I know takes a little bit longer. 100% get it. And there's a guy literally sitting there with a timer on, and it took him three minutes 
to hit this golf shot. And I don't know that I would have caught it, but once you're sitting there watching it and now you're looking at it with the timer on there, you're like, okay, this is, this is getting drawn out a little bit. This is a little bit too much. And I do think that, you know, there is a point where you've got to get up there and just execute, or you've got to be ready to play, especially if you're a slower player and you know that you're a slower player and you're going to take a little extra time. You need to go out of your way to be first off the tee box. You need to go out of your way to get on and, and just be ready to hit. I mean, that's the biggest issue. Well, one of the most impressive things is the fact that he's still playing really well with all of this bad press coming his direction. He kind of drives off of that. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. But on the the back side of that, how long can you do that? It's going to get old. He's going to be tired of hearing about it. Well, he's going to start getting like heckling from the crowd at some point. That's exactly right. Right now, he's basically, you know, giving him the finger and just like, hey, I'm going to do my thing. Um, This is what pays really well. I'm obviously in contention. I'm doing something right. So I'm not really worried about what you guys are doing. But I think over time that will wear and that will be hard to maintain for a long period of time. But at the end of the day, my whole thing going back to him, he needs to get better at being ready for his golf shot when it's his time to hit. I, I, the being not being ready is a, a total disrespect to your your playing partners in your group, but the other players in the field. Like we all have to, like, hey, we all have to be ready to play. If we all just took, you know, three to four minutes over every shot, we would t- we would never get done, and we would take forever. So until the PGA Tour and McLean, you brought it up, until we implement some type of shot clock, then the guys will do whatever they want. And as long as they want until, until it starts getting enforced. Um, and I, I just think, I just think when you, if everyone else is kind of ready and they understand like there's a, there's a common ground in terms of being ready to go. It's your time to hit. I, I've got maybe 30 seconds, you know, a minute, like it's my, it's my turn. Let's go. And, and they understand that internal clock. Like, Hey, this is, this is my, I'm doing my part in, in playing in this event to be ready to go, to keep the pace of play going. Right. And if you just say, screw everybody, I'm going to take five minutes to hit each shot uh, because there's no penalty. There's no consequence. That's the thing. And then you're going to keep doing it. And I think that it, 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 he's playing within the rules. No one's telling him he can't do it. and He's not getting penalized. But it's also like a kind of like F you to everybody else. And I think it, it irritates a lot of the other players. And I think you lose a little bit of respect from the other players. Like, hey, man, I get it. You, yes, you are playing well. But be ready to play. You know, it's your turn. Be ready to go. Like, hit the ball within within a minute. You know, don't take four, three, four, five minutes to hit your shot. When we're all doing it, we're all getting ready to go. We're, we're getting our yardages while we're walking up. Our caddy's walking these yardages up as we're approaching our ball. We're talking them over. We're getting ready to go while the other player's playing. Uh, you know, come on. Like, you're being disrespectful to the players in your group and everyone else in the field. So this whole thing of, you know, when he kind of countered back with Brooks Kepka, hey, maybe you should, you know, figure out how not choke in, in a major. Like, hey, Cantley, when was the last time you won a major? You know, Brooks has got four. So, yeah. you know, I, you know, there's something to that, buddy. You know, and I like Cantley. I do. I think Did he's he say a good that? Player. Yeah. Did you didn't hear that? He Cantley said, or Kepka said something to about Cantley, and he said, and he chimed back in and said. Hey, maybe you should focus on yourself and not choking in a major. I was like, whoa. I was like, is, are you serious? Like, dude, the, the dude's got four. You got zero. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta I find think, this quote. I think ultimately, yeah. you know, Patrick does need to figure out a way to be 
just speed it up a hair. But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, I'm not going to blame Patrick for this. This is the PGA it's Tour. The PGA fault Tour's fault. Yeah. yeah. Without question. We've talked about this issue is not new. Slow play on the PJ Tour is not a new issue. This isn't this didn't just arrive with Patrick Cantlay at the Masters. This is something that's been going on in the game for a very long time. And the PJ Tour is scared to call this penalty. They allow it to happen, and that's why he does it. I mean, you look at any other professional sport out there, you know, they're all trying to get their edge, whether it be, you know, a pitcher putting uh, you know, a foreign substance on a ball, whether you see it uh flopping in the NBA, whatever it is. They allow this to happen. They don't make the calls when it needs to be done. And until they take someone in contention and assess him a two-stroke penalty for slow play, it's going to continue to happen. And they have sure. to have the balls enough to get out there and make those calls. If they're really in it as as you know, right now, especially more than anything, mm-hmm. when they're out to try to better the game and try to make this, you know, massive stance on where they are and what they're doing to to you know keep up with the times and and you know progress the game moving forward. This is one of the biggest issues. This is not new, and it is not being addressed by the PJ Tour. The only time that we've seen those penalties called is on players that are out of contention. And it, you feel like even then it's one of those situations where it's like, all right, we just want to let guys know that, you know, we we will, we will potentially call this. But if you're in contention, you know, we we we'll let we it aren't fly. really, yeah, we aren't really, you know, looking too hard at it. There's been one slow play penalty in the last 10 years. On the PGA Tour, the amateur, any of these guys, the uh, I'm not sure if it was even. I, I'm not sure if the stat included the Masters, or if it was actually like like PGA Tour. I, I'm not positive on that. It could just be like PGA Tour officials, since yeah. someone else runs the Masters. I'm not positive on that, but it was one penalty for that. There was that kid in the Masters, that 14 year old that they penalized yeah. um, a while back. But they give these guys way. Who's not going to make the cut? Correct. They give these guys way too much leeway. You have to be out of position. Then you have to have one bad time to get a warning. And then you get put on the clock. And then you don't get penalty. It's like, no, dude, you get zero strikes. Like, fucking hit the ball. This is the only sport. And I get golf is different. But this is the only sport where it's pretty much not a shot clock, a play clock. Whatever there is now that baseball has implemented it. Like, I think part of, like, Let's make this a little bit more of a reaction sport. And let's say, hey, you need to be ready to figure out. Yeah, there's a lot of shit to figure out to hit a shot. But the guy who can figure out the fastest in the, and can put all this stuff and have a mental capacity to do this in a faster amount of time and get ready to hit the golf shot, do it. I blame psycho- golf psychologists a little bit. You know, Maybe Patrick Cantley is just an unbelievably indecisive guy and has to sit there and go over all these scenarios in his head a hundred times. But, dude, you're going to have to do it faster. And the PJ Tour needs to start publicizing who the slow players are, what are the slow times, find these guys and publicize the fines and start calling penalties. Affect their wallets, affect them dropping down the leaderboards. That's the only way they're going to stop this. If you're just going to let them do this, and they're going to do it. Well, I, think, I would argue that it's better to penalize the guy like Patrick Cantlay, who has the financial well-being, that it doesn't really matter. Like it does. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's not like this guy's worried about paying bills. If you missed the cut this week, you know what I mean? So make a statement, you know, let's, we're not affecting someone's livelihood necessarily, but we are affecting the greater good of the game. And Jay, if I'm not mistaken, is there not, I I thought there was a 45 second rule. I mean, it's, it's, it's there, but that, that was, that was my point. The the next thing I was going to bring up, they've got, 
they've got some you know vague rules in terms of timing, but then there's one for who is the first to play, and then then there's always a uh, always a discrepancy when you walk to the ball. Like hey, who's away? Is it me or you? Is it me or you? Like when's when does the clock start? That's that's the biggest issue. I feel like that that that's why the PJ Tour hasn't really hit this thing. You know. It really hard is like it's so tough to determine who's who's first to play when does that clock start so it's very easy in in some of the other sports because the uh the setting or the field is the same and the uh you know once you know like in, in baseball like once a pitch is thrown and it hits the mitt and it's done the play clock starts for the next play you know, so it's it's very easy to tell when that time clock should start. But in golf, it's 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 so tough because it's always the players. Hey, are you away or is it me? Am I away? You know, it's like who who is it? Because that that will determine when that play clock should uh, play clock should start, and then how much time should be um, should be allotted for that you know particular player. So that that's the that's the part that's that's a little bit of a gray area. That I think that's why we haven't seen you know, a real play clock um, implemented yet on the PGA Tour. And it's, it's tough, uh, but I, I, I agree. I think that they've got to figure it out. They've got to find a way to make these guys be ready to play when it's their turn. And then they have to, they have to give them a consequence. If there's no consequence, like we said, if, if Cantlay, if no one's going to find him and no one's going to, it's really strokes. The fine doesn't matter. If, if you give a player an extra shot in a tournament, that's, that's the difference. If you tell somebody that we're going to fine you ten thousand dollars, Cantlay's like, "Yeah, fine, whatever. I'll I'll take one around. If it makes me win the tournament, and I win three point five million. I'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars if yeah. if I if I can still win the tournament. So the money is not it; it's the strokes. I agree. No, I agree it's entirely strokes. with that. And I will which say essentially affects the their money. Which it, it essentially affects their money, but also they want to win tournaments. So these guys are all egotistical, prideful guys. They want to win. They want to win the tournament. Like they, they do like the money. The guys on the PJ Tour, the reason they stayed on the PJ Tour is because they want to win tournaments and they want the history. They want the legacy. The guys on the Live Tour, we obviously know they went for money. And there's some debate on whether they care about winning tournaments. But these guys on the PJ Tour, they want to win because they want people to say, hey, this person won this tournament. They, they don't care as much. I mean, they do care about money. I'm not going to say that they don't, but the 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 fines are not big enough to to deter them from ch- or to change their to change the process. Now, if it, they said, "Hey, for every you know for every bad uh, time you get, that's five hundred thousand. That's that's a lot of money. That yeah. that's that's excessive, but th- that would that would open their eyes. Like they're not going to get you know they're not going to do that. So." Again, the 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 cost of uh, the penalty for that is in terms of the the monetary value does not you know you know dictate you know how they play or how fastly they play. So it really comes down to strokes. How's it going to affect you in the tournament and whether or not you can win the tournament? No, I, I agree. It does come down to strokes, and that is the proper penalty. Um, I think at the same time, because then you're not dictating because there's guys that get into events and play well. And I mean, think about even some of the amateurs that you've seen play well before, and you're going to all of a sudden, you know, penalize this guy, $50,000. He may not have that. You know, that's <laughs> one of the beauties of this game that guys can get in there and um, compete with these guys and create a name for themselves before they are you know incredibly well established. But right now is the time to do it. You know, with what we're seeing in baseball and how it's improved the sport. And there's not one person that has come out and said, 
that the pitch clock in baseball is a negative. Every single person That's I've awesome. heard of thinks yeah. that this is an absolute benefit. This is absolutely better for the game. It's making it better for the viewership and it's making it better for the players. Now, the only thing I will say, and I don't know exactly how you do it, but they have the they have the ability to do it. And I don't know if it's a rules official with each group, which I think they have to a certain extent. But as soon as that person, you know, and like you said, Jay, they walk up out there in the fairway and they're trying to decide who's away. As soon as it's dictated that that person's away, they get one minute to hit that shot. Now, at yeah. first, it's going to seem like, well, is that enough time? Well, real quickly, the caddies will adapt to that. The players will adapt to that. The caddy sure. will get off the tee quickly. He'll get to that ball before the players does. The player will most likely slow his um, slow his walk just a titch to give his caddy enough time to get up there and decide what the yardage is. Hey, this is what we're looking at. This is where the flag is. And he walks up and he makes a quick decision. It's 147 total, 139 to cover that flag. You've got seven yards behind the flag, whatever that is. This is a, a stock wedge for us. Now we make the pitch. I mean, right there, I did that in three seconds. Now the guy still has 57 seconds to go through and go through his pre-shot routine to hit the golf ball. Yeah, the, the way the rule's written, not like they're technically adhering by it, but the, the first player to hit, whether it's on the team, yeah. in the fairway, on the green, if you're the first one to hit, you get an extra 10 seconds. Yeah, they have a, almost a minute, right? Is it a, so it is. it's a 45-second they, you're considered having a bad time on their shot link data. And I was just reading an article while kind of while you guys were talking that came out in 2020 when they were trying to change their policy. You're given 45 seconds, to, an extra 10 seconds to the first one to play. Once you get put on the clock, you actually have 40 seconds and an extra um, extra 10 if you're the first one to play in the on the tee, in the fairway, on the green. So they do give you a little bit more time if you're going to be the first one to play. But if something does have to be done about it. I do think it comes down to the PGA Tour not being more responsive uh, in the moments where they should, not enforcing their rules correctly because it is frowned upon. Like you said, there's been one slow play, slow play penalty given over the past uh, 10 years, and it was done in a format that made no difference to the golf tournament, made no difference to the pocket of the player. And until it is done, guys will keep getting away with it. It, yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah, there's got to be a consequence. Like I said, if there's no consequence, you know, the positive reinforcement thing is is a crock of shit. You know, I feel like, hey, great job. You're playing fast. Good job. Here's a $10,000 bonus. Like, they don't do that, but uh, they do that in the school system. It's like they, they, they really hone in on the positive reinforcement. Hey, this kid's doing really well. All the other kids, you're not doing great. Watch this kid. He's doing great. Let's really pump this kid up. But if there's no consequence, then the the kids who are not doing it well, and they 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 look at that and like, hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because it's working. And if you don't if you don't put a consequence, if you don't attach a consequence to an action, then they're going to keep doing what they do. Um, so I, I, again, positive reinforcement is a good thing. Tell the guys they're doing well. You're playing fast. But if you don't, you know, if you don't attach a consequence to to that action, then then they, they don't care. You know, like for yeah. someone like Patrick Canley, like, hey, what I'm doing is working and I'm I'm winning golf tournaments. I'm competing in golf tournaments. So why would I change? So it, it, you're, you're right. It, it solely falls on. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a Patrick Canley thing in a sense that like, hey, you're, you're a little disrespectful to the to your playing partners and and the and the, the tour as a whole. But no one's really forcing you to change. 
So did you guys see the video of him? Uh, I forget which T box it was. This was like a fan video I saw online. Um, it was a par three T box, and Billy Foster is like leaning up against Matt Fitzpatrick's caddy. Is like leaning up against the bag, just looks off, pissed off of the world, looking at can't like doing his whole thing, stepping behind his ball, changing clubs. Like the guy just looks miserable. You know, he's got his chin in his hand. Just uh, it was just classic. Like he's like you could just tell him. You could just see the like the hot bubble over him. Like hurry yeah. the fuck up yeah. you bloody up. wanker yeah <laughs> you bloody wanker. bloody wanker pick it up <laughs> i mean i don't i uh, that would be it would be maddening for me um but at the same time patrick cantley is like a cash cow for a caddy so he's just like okay i'll i'll i can deal with this you know because well, no, it was fitzpatrick's caddy but oh fitzpatrick yeah but yeah i could but for for you know, for Cantley's caddy, oh yeah, he's probably like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm sure it's maddening for him too. He's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I can deal with it. I'll just sit over but, here, but yeah, yeah. All right, one more, one more thing. We didn't really talk about this last week, but so Rory WDs on the elevated events this year they were mandatory. You get to skip one. He skipped the Century Tournament of Champions, so this was his second skip, which he was not allowed. It has never come out. He never put a statement out. We don't know why he withdrew, if it was an injury, an illness, a family issue. He was just tired and pissed off after the Masters, even though he only played two rounds. He didn't play four. (laughs) And so it kind of became a big deal. Some of the other players took some shots at him because he's the champion, right, Uh, of this whole new change, right? He's he's the the leader. The voice he's leading this charge of hey we got to do this and we got to take our lumps and do what's best for the good of the game and the entertainment and the fans and if we want to make all this money and and we all know the whole story and man this is a bad bad look for Rory to do this I love him bad look if you're you got to lead by example pal if you're gonna try to make all these changes and they're gonna implement your plan you got to stick by your plan. Then it did come out, it leaked that the PJ Tour is docking him $3 million of his PIP money. So he was going to be awarded $12, 12 million for his 2022 PIP earnings. Um, they're going to dock $3 million of that now. I don't know I mean, how they can do that going back and docking what was already won. I'm not a big fan of that necessarily, but I do agree that there needs to be some sort of penalty, and I'm fine with the monetary value of it. I just don't think... It necessarily needs to be made for what was already accomplished. I think it needs to be docked towards this year's PIP. I think they need to say, you know, whatever you win, because they know he's going to win a certain amount. You come up with a percentage to say, hey, you've lost 30% of whatever your PIP is this year. You forfeit 30% of it. And I think that to me is a little bit, I don't want to necessarily say fairer. I just think it makes more sense because I'm not, I'm not big on someone going back and saying that you're going to take what was already accomplished so i think they're part of the reason is they don't know who's gonna get right there's got to be there's got to be a penalty for the people who don't get pit money right because especially this year they're only going to be 10 guys so i'm trying to think of uh matt fitzpatrick he might not be a guy that everyone's pit money i can't remember if he won any at all last year or not but like if he's like well i'm going to be 15th on pip i'm going to skip because there's nothing to penalize me for. They can't take any of my money. I'm going to skip a couple of these yeah. events. 
Yeah. So I, I understand them going back, and that was part of the agreement they were all under. They all understood, like, hey, you know, they gave up 20 guys in the PIP money. If you're those 20 guys and you don't play the right number of designated events, we're docking your PIP earnings. So they all knew that ahead of time. And I think that's the only reason why they're using previous year PIP earnings is because they don't quite know who's going to get it. They can't say, we're going to dock you, and then the guy never finishes in the top 10 and there's nothing to dock. Well, so. I, I think you just get rid of the pip. Just not don't dock the guys off that. Just dock off their their earnings for the year. Like, hey, you're gonna hey if you skip a second elevated event, you need to pay at the end of the year. You're gonna be fined a percentage of, yeah. of what you make, and and that's that'll get the guys' attention. If you if you want all these guys to play in the elevated events and you don't want them to miss, you need to make it. Uh, you need to make it, uh, you know, a, a, a substantial, you know, you know, penalty. So, so it sounds like next year they're not even going to make a requirement. From everything that I've read, this is the only year of requirements for the elevated events. Events. Really? So they're not going to they're going to not going to stick with that. I think that's that. a bad idea. I think this year has been absolutely incredible. Making these guys. I mean, when was the last time you saw all these guys play in the RBC Heritage? It never happens. It's yeah. never happened. It's never, they've never gotten the field that they've gotten this year. And it sounds like next year is an elevated event as well for the RBC. We, it is what it is. You want to play on the best tour in the world? You need to play in X number of events. Why, I, what, that, that, I, think they're, I think they're hoping that when they change the schedule next year and they get into this cadence of two designated, three non-designated that one, you're going to get the guys playing the designated events. I think they're thinking that the the one, the money will be enticing enough that they're not going to skip. The FedEx Cup points are going up in these designated events where they're not up this year. The purses are up, but not the points. And so I think the PJ Tour is thinking if, if we're raising money and points and not lumping a whole bunch of them together at one time, that will be enough to sway these guys to playing them all and without having to mandate that they play them in all, all of them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I that's what I, I think I, they're thinking is, and then I'm sure the players said, yeah, we're not, you're not forcing us to play in all these things. And I, I, I again, we, we, we've kind of thrown this government or not government. <laughs> we've thrown this independent contractor, you know, phrase out a bunch and I, I get it. And I, yes, you do have the right to play in whatever you want, but there's also the stipulation that if you want to play on a certain tour, these these tours have rules. And similar to what we've, we've seen with the live, like, hey, if you want to play wherever you want to play, that's fine. You have the right to do that. But you you can't come back and play on this tour while being a member of the live tour. OK, we've, we've set the boundary. And also, if you want to play on the PGA tour, you have to play in X amount of elevated events. And if you don't, then you're going to be penalized. It's just the rules of the tour. You know, they, they, every tour has rules. And if in, in, yes, you are an independent contractor, you can play in whatever you want, but if you want to play for the big money, then these are the stipulations that you have to abide by. You know, I mean, I think every tour has that. And I, I think sure. that's fair. So I think it's very fair. I think it's very fair. And to say, Hey, if you're a top hundred player in the world and, 
hey, you have to play in these events. You get one, we get one pass. It's no different than this, it, it's no different than playing in um in the Wednesday Pro Am. They've had that stipulation there for 30 years. You can only skip one, two, three, maybe three pro ams a year, and otherwise you pay a fine. It's no different than hey, you have to play in this event. If you don't play, there's a fine. You know that yeah. that that's 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 your that's your part of this of this business transaction that we're making for you as an independent contractor to play on our tour. Now we need the players, and I agree because I'm 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 pro player, but at the same time, you know, hey, the tour's got to have some type of consistency here to try to market you know you as a player to bring some money in to have the sponsors to to put that money up. Like if the players. Just say, hey, I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want. They've got to be, it's got to be somewhat predictable for them to recruit sponsors. Hey, I've got 17 elevated events. I know these top players are going to be here. Hey, AT&T, you're going to give us, you know, 10 million for this elevated event. But if I don't know, you know, then they're like, hey, I'll give you 5 million. No, I agree. I was not fair to to the sponsors either. So I was surprised some regulation around membership. If you're a member and you hold a member, I don't care if you're an independent contractor or not. There are there there are regulations around holding that membership. Sure, yeah. if you're exactly. going to be a part of an association, you got to abide by the association's rules. Certain rules, and then that, and then and, and to to determine those rules, and you know, fight for those. That's the players' union versus you know the PJ Tour board. You guys can work that out of what's fair, what's not fair, but. There, there has to be some rules. It can't be just you do whatever you want and we'll just figure it out. I mean, we've got a billion dollar organization here and you can't just fly by the seat of your pants and and let and let the the players you know dictate everything. I mean, that's not fair either. And again, like I said, I'm I'm kind of pro player. I've been on that side, but at the same time, I understand running an organization, you've got to have some consistency here and you've got to set some standards, some some set of rules. And some players think they can do whatever they want, and that's you know, not the case. Obviously, Rory, I feel like Rory's going down the wrong path. I hope he turns it around. I feel like he's getting down to the point where he's like, can I can do whatever I want? And that's not it's not the case, man. That's not the case. Well, I hope I hope there's nothing I hope there's nothing going on with him. That's why he had to, you know, let's just we don't know why he WD. Let's hope there's nothing, no personal things or health things or because he, he missed the cut at the Masters. That's why he WD. Well, probably, but we don't we don't know yeah. that for sure. But that's that's everyone's assumption, right? Um, so I don't I don't want to sit here and and bash Rory like you you punk. You need to you know take your medicine and, and play, and then all of a sudden it comes out as mother's in the hospital or something like that. You know what I mean? Sure. sure. So yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to do that. But um, yeah, you gotta and maybe all this is taken sitting in all these meetings and. Doing all this media is taking a toll on him mentally and physically, which I don't I don't blame him if it is. And um maybe the PJ Tour needs to support him more. Maybe the other players need to support him more and make sure he's not the one and only face of this whole thing, which it seems like it is. But um yeah, if if it was just like I played bad at the Masters, sorry, dude, you gotta show up. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. you got to play. I, I love, I love him. He's one of my top two, three, four, five favorites in the in the game. Love the guy, but bad, bad look. Yeah, and if, if it is a rest case, thing, it's not. If it is a rest thing, you know, you finished up Friday. He could be on his private plane back to his house down here in Jupiter. Five minutes and spend. I mean, he could literally show up at Harbor Town Wednesday afternoon, get a couple of holes in, and go play. And if if he really wanted to, just to make the qualification and not to look bad. 
throw up a couple of hockey sticks Thursday and Friday and be done with it. Yeah. 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 So, all right, let's, um, let's just get into a very, very exciting tournament this week. I'm so excited about this two man event. I mean, um, I want, I want to say this right now. Hey, I'm making a run here two weeks in a row. Let's go. I'm, I'm we'll gaining get, some points. We'll get that in a, get to that in a second. I want to say this right now. Okay. Get this tournament off my fucking schedule. I look at I'm all for entertainment value. We've talked about it doing some different things. I like the idea of a two-man event. This is not it. No, I agree with that. If we're going to do this, let's make a two-man event a designated event. Throw a big purse up there, and let's see the top players go after yes. it in a two-man event. Now we're going to bring that drama into it because this event has long, long history of being kind of a, a funny money event. Guys don't really give a shit. They're out there to have a good time. The only good that comes out of it is you find some guys that get on a good team that you know have been up and comers win potentially and get some status from it and give them a chance to but go. But that's out what I hate about it. Room. Like there's no, people I, I that should not be getting status over this. If they were to win, and now granted, some of these guys aren't gonna win, but Matt Fitzpatrick is playing with his brother, Alex, who has no status. He's played like a little bit on the Canadian tour. He shouldn't be eligible. He should not be eligible for this because the winner yeah. gets a two year exemption. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He should not be eligible. And there, there needs to be more restrictions around that. But long story short, that be just PGA Tour members. I mean, simply simply yeah. put, if you're a PGA Tour member, you can play. If you're yeah. a member of the PGA Tour, you can play. If you're not, then you can't play. It, 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 even if it only, you only get 60 guys and you only get 32-man teams, I don't care. I would rather that and it just be actual card-holding PGA Tour members playing than – there's 30 names I'd have never heard of in this tournament. Oh, there, there's 30 guys that have that haven't played a PGA Tour event in six, seven, eight, nine years that are playing. I was, I mean, I was looking at the list. I mean, Will McGirt. I mean, you know, uh, Steve Stricker's played. playing. Steve Stricker, John, John, John Daly, Daly, and David Duvall are playing together. That's just not nuts. But like I said, I, I think you know. To your point, Mike and McLean, do we? make this an elevated event and do it at like a you know do it at a course that that people have said you, you can't play a PGA Tour event at because it's not long enough like do it at like a Pine Valley do it at a do it at a, a really prestigious course now Pine Valley doesn't need to host a PGA Tour event I understand that but do it at a, a really cool prestigious event uh, or, or course that we've never seen, the public's never seen. Like, if they said, "Hey, we're playing a two-man event. It's an elevated event. All the top players are playing. They're doing it at Pine Valley." Am I watching? Absolutely. I don't even know what Pine Valley looks like. I don't even. I mean, only going online and trying to look at the holes. You know, I, I've never been there, obviously, and you don't even. You can't even see it. Like they don't let you take pictures out there. You know, but we one of our good buddies, Matt Brandingham, is. Dad Dan Brennan played this week. He went out and played Pond Valley, and and Dan takes pictures of everything, everything, and he couldn't even get one snapshot of Pond Valley because of would let him bring his phone on the golf course. So, like, I'm just like I know I'm diving down a, a hole here, but like, uh, this is a way to make this event cool, like a two man event. Make it elevated. Make it uh, put it at a golf course that nobody really gets a chance to see. You know, uh, I think that would add some some intrigue to the event and 
you know, add some viewership. So, you know, like I said, going back to the beginning of the podcast, we've, we've seen the 73, 7,400 yard golf course with the, you know, 35, 40 yard wide fairways and the intermediate rough and the, and the, and the first cut of rough, like uh, that's, we see that all the time, you know, like it's boring, you know, it's the same old, same old. No, so, I, I anyway. agree. I think the answer is to make it an ele- elevated event. Let's go ahead and get the best players in the world playing in this two-man format and make it a yeah. real event to where guys give a shit. Matthew yeah. Fitzpatrick obviously doesn't give a shit bringing his brother with no status out. I'm not saying that. I mean, he cares to a certain extent, and I'm not trying to throw any shade at Matt, but at the end of the day, it's the it's the format that's allowing this it's to allowing happen. that it's the tour that's allowing them to, to bring his brother oh, like he's, exactly he's doing right. it to try to give his if he wins he gives his brother status i mean look at brooks kepka and chase kepka i mean that's how that that certainly helped help chase in the past when they played in this event together had no status yeah. anywhere yeah. played with his brother they played well i mean yeah, I, I I think the the format, like you said, is that's what's holding holding the event back. Like there's 30, 40 guys in here that no one's ever heard of, or or they they're past champions and like they haven't I'm not watching this. Yeah, they haven't been relevant in twelve years. Yeah, uh, I will watch more LPGA Tour coverage this week. They get their first major. I will. I might not turn on the Zurich, so I will probably watch more LPGA Tour coverage this week. Well, so. I don't even think this is a good venue, quite frankly. No. The closest thing you're going to get to excitement is maybe an alligator pops out of the water and bites one of these guys. That'd be kind of cool. Um, no one's severely no one's severely injured, just like, yeah. you know, just a little tiny. I'll watch it in the highlights. <laughs> just a little bite. Just a little bite. <laughs> a little nibble. A little nibble. Um, all right. Yeah, Jay. So Jay did win last week. I came in third. McLean came in last. So we we crept up. How did you come in third if I came in last? I just want to check that. Oh, I came in second, got three points. That's what I meant. Fair. And you came in last. So uh, McLean leads our season-long Something uh, needs standings. to be done about withdrawals. I got, I've been smoked two weeks in a row over this. So I'm on this, I'm on this thing. I said this. I think I said it on this podcast before. If the PGA Tour is going to get in bed with all these gambling sites and put odds on their leaderboard, they need to have an injury report. Needs mm-hmm. to be something. I mean, I got burned the last. You need to be aware if someone is questionable, doubtful, if they have a nagging injury. I don't know how they do it. They need to figure it out. But if they're going to be in bed with gambling and daily fantasy, they need to have an injury report. Plain and simple. Every I other league does. And there needs to be a there needs to be a fine if you there needs to be a deadline like hey can you play at you know at two hours before your tea time or before you know tea time starts some with NFL like hey we've got by eleven fifteen before a one o'clock game or eleven forty five or one o'clock game you know who's in who's out like that's an hour and hour and 15 minutes before before the you know i say it's lineups or kickoff you know who's playing who's not playing like there's got to be something something there to give us some type of heads up and if you don't if you decide to withdraw like the five minutes before hey you know what i'm sorry that sucks that you couldn't do it but you also not only that but you're taking away a spot from somebody else that's just sitting around waiting correct you know, and that's the worst part. Like, hey, there's a fine. You know, there's a fifty thousand dollar fine for not for not teeing off. You know, whatever it is, I don't know. Well, and I'm not even going down that road. My whole thing is just 
give me the opportunity, send me an auto notification. I mean, our phone tells us every freaking thing in the world these days. Give me an auto notification that, you know, like last week, Ryan Fox has withdrawn from the event and he's got zero points. Give me the opportunity to go on there and pick someone else that has not teed off. Will Zalatoris was a better um, a better uh, example of this because he did not tee off at all uh, at the Masters. Give me the opportunity to go pick someone, notify me. Will yeah. Zalatoris is withdrawn from this event. You have an opportunity to go pick someone else before they tee off. And that's that's the most fair solution to this this whole ordeal. But the fact that it just happened and you just have to eat it. And that's that, that's like the DraftKings and FanDuel, they don't allow what they call a late swap. So yeah. They don't they let you swap out. Say, let's just say for instance, if a player withdraws and you can see it and you hear about it, like, hey, he's going to withdraw. Like, he's not playing. He's not teeing off. Okay, let me pull that guy out. Let me put another player in that hasn't teed off yet. Give me the opportunity to put another player. If he fits, um, you know, if he fits in with, within the lineup in terms of the, the the salary cap, then he should be allowed to fit in. Yeah. Like, why can't you put why can't you put another player who hasn't teed off that's at maybe at equal or lesser price? Why, why is that? Why Why would that not be fair? Yeah, I'd you still know, rather have someone in there at, at seven thousand dollars, even if my nine thousand dollar guy bailed. I'd rather have someone in there than no no one. Someone, some anyone, points man. are better than no points. And last two yeah. weeks, I've had two guys that gave me zero points. Yeah, I I agree hundred percent. I think yeah. that that system with for the golf is flawed. Uh, that's and that's a it's a way for them to they already get their rake. We already know what they get, and and now that just that just adds yeah. to it because when you when you play. Them. Yeah, it doesn't. It uh, just it just fills their pocket even more. Oh, great! Oh, uh, Ryan Fox and TL, great! All that money that all the people who put in, all the players that picked Ryan Fox in the lineup, you guys are all going to lose. That's money to the house. So, and the only way that's going to change is if you just don't you just don't play their sites, but both of them do it. So you yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's a bummer. All right, so season long total, McLean seventy seven, J seventy. Ooh, we're getting Mike, close. Mike like sixty seven. So we're all within ten now. Uh, Jay and I are, are creeping up on McLean. So uh, who? I'm going to go first. I'm not even going to give. I'm going to do a McLean roster here. Um, sixty five hundred. Carson Young and Kyle Westmoreland. I needed a team cheap. Carson's been playing a little well. Kyle's a vet. We'll go with them. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Go up to 7,400 Scott Stallings, Trey Mullinex. Great. Uh, then I'm going to go up to 7,900. Uh, Thomas Dietrich, Victor Perez. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, 8,200. I'm going to go Matt Fitzpatrick and his little baby brother. Um, hopefully he doesn't fuck it up for Matt. And then I'll go 9,100 Taylor Montgomery, Kurt Kitayama. Great. Awesome. And then, uh, 10,900, two of my man crushes, Homakawa. Homakawa. Mm. That should be a hat. That's their team name. They <laughs> came out with like Dodgers jerseys that said Homakawa. That's great. That's, great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, so I'll, there you go. I'll, I'll follow it up quickly. I also have, Kyle Westmoreland. And no Carson. way. Do you really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Kyle, I, I've actually played some golf with Kyle. I know Kyle. He's a good dude. Um, I, I can't even believe that you picked that team out of all. Like, 
I get it. We also have Mullinox and Stalling. Really? That one's that one's more likely than fucking Westmoreland and Young. Yeah. That that blows my mind that we have two two of the same teams, especially down in the low dollar amounts. So Kyle Westmoreland, Carson Young, sixty five hundred. Trey Mullinax, uh, Scott Stallings, seventy four hundred. Um, moving up from there, Doug Gim and Kramer Hickok. I got them at seventy five hundred. And then man crush of all, Mister Ryan Palmer and Scott Piercy. And Uh-oh. then uh, I also have Sam Burns and Billy Horschel. They've got a really good uh, that's history. A, that's a that's a good pick. Yeah, and then I also have Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay. I, I wanted to pick them, but I just couldn't after Cantlay's performance with his slow play last two because I can't root for him. Hey, I don't <laughs> care how long it takes him if I get in the winner's circle. And the PGA <laughs> That's Tour a good point. Either. The PGA Tour doesn't either. <laughs> Fair. All right, I'll go through mine really slowly and, and deliberately so you guys all understand why I picked each one. <laughs> So excited. I can't wait. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> 6,200 Scott Brown and Richie Rowinski. Um, Scott's played well in this event with, uh, with Kevin Kisner in the past. I think they've lost in a playoff or finished second in the past. So, you know, maybe he's got some good mojo here at 6,200. They were at the bottom of the barrel. So here we go. Cheap, 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 cheap. Um, Victor Perez and Thomas Dietrich, seventy nine hundred bucks. I think we've already explained why they may be a good pick at that price range. Uh, Robbie Shelton and Hodges, eighty one hundred. Same for the same reasons. Um, and then I jump up to eighty two hundred. Uh, Fitzpatrick and his and his bro. Hopefully, he can pull him along. Very uh, ancestral this week. Yeah. Um, and then Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin, 8,500 bucks. Uh, this is kind of a sneaky pick. I, I really, I honestly, I think, I think they win in my opinion. Wow. Um, I do. I do I, like that team. I, I think that this is kind of a, this, the, the, there's two, two guys that, that have been playing some really solid golf over the last month. Um, and I, I feel like they kind of match up they, they their personalities. Again, I don't know them, both of them all that well, but for the little bit, I do know. Um, I think that's a good, they're a good combo. Um, and then uh, the top of the list here, I have Mr. Patrick Cantlay, uh, human rain delay. And I think he just slows the pace down all the way to the winner's circle with uh, Xander Shopley. So 1100, uh, 11, 11,100 bucks. Could be a Monday finish with Cantlay out there. Could be a Monday finish, which is fine. Because if they win, then it'll be worth it. Called because of darkness. <laughs> there you have it. There um, you have it. All right. I can't wait to break this down next week. <laughs> awesome. This comes down to like three out three outsider teams because we all have the same picks. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of repeats there. Yeah. A lot of repeats. Um, so all righty. Uh gents, you got anything else? Or um are we done for the evening? Look, can we we haven't really touched on this yet, but I'd like to talk about the rollback. <laughs> and I'm gonna mute McLean before he says anymore. Uh, or if we're not gonna do that, let's talk about some Babe Ruth statistics. I'm not gonna do that either. Greatest of all time. He's one of the greatest. He's he's the greatest to play against firefighters and plumbers. That's all. That's all that was there at the time. 
And he absolutely dominated the he shit did. out of them. Yeah. He did. You did. They all had, and they had to go do their paper route the next morning for the game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I know we're going to end this, but who would you rank above Babe Ruth? Honestly, I just want to hear who would you put Willie above Mays. What? Uh, I mean, he's good. I, he's really good. I think he was a, he was a pretty incredible athlete. Yeah. So yeah. He, he would be close. I would give, I'll give you that. He would be close. Was. He goes just just from sheer athleticism, you know. He was an incredible, incredible athlete, no question. Uh, as of right now, and history is yet to be told, but Shohei Otani, that guy's the man. He un- is so cool, real, and that is unreal. He is the best hitting pitcher since Babe Ruth. I will yeah. say that much. A hundred years later, and he's a real athlete, unlike Babe Ruth. No, he is without question. Babe Ruth was an athlete. He was an athlete. I mean, he, did, he it didn't it, it the athleticism didn't look like it doesn't look like it it does I know, now. I know. I know. Uh, he I, is an I athlete. like Mickey Mantle. He he would go out all night and just get tuned up and show up hung over and hit hit a couple dingers and uh you know big big fan of his work ethic. <laughs> I do like Wasn't he the one Mickey that was getting blowjobs under the bleachers or something like that? Absolutely. Wasn't? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not respect that? <laughs> Mantle was was he was pretty incredible. I'm married. Uh, I can't even spell that word anymore. Oh god, I'm not sure how we got here, but I did. T- right. did I tell you? Did I tell you a story? The time I went to, I mean, this is real real quick. I went to Commerce, Oklahoma, which is where Mickey Mantle. That's where he grew up. He grew up in a, a one bedroom or two bedroom house, like a hundred uh, eight hundred square feet, in Commerce, Oklahoma, northeast of Oklahoma. And I was there and I was in a town next to it in a tournament. And I drove, I was like, I'm, I'm I was a, a Yankees fan, obviously growing up the greatest, the greatest, um, the greatest Band franchise of time in baseball. Bandwagon um, fan. But I mean, I, I grew up as a kid. Like I, I didn't know what that was. My grandmother liked them. Cause she, she went, I don't need to explain myself, but Anyway, but anyway, I was going to Commerce, Oklahoma to see the birthplace of Mickey Mantle. And I rode in this town and I pulled down the street and there were kids on this on this street, like in this like main street in Commerce, Oklahoma. And it was a dirt road and none of the boys had shirts on and none of the kids had shoes on. They all had cut off jeans. And like I said, it was like. I literally thought I drove into a time warp and I was like, what? This was in 2005. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, this is really strange. And I pull up and I'm like, hey, where did Mickey Mantle grow up? And they're like, who? Like, Mickey Mantle, one of the greatest Yankees of all time, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. I'm like, I don't know who he is. And I'm like, are you, <laughs> are you serious? So I drove, drive a little further up and I see an older gentleman and I'm like, did Mickey Mantle grow up here? Like, oh, yeah. Take a right, take a left. His house is right there. So I finally get up there, and obviously it was nothing. It was like a shack, but I was just it was blew blew my mind. Like I, these kids, you grew up in this town in the middle of nowhere. Like the biggest person that, that you that ever came out of this area. You don't even know who he is, but it's, I guess Mickey Mantle wasn't that great. Yes, he, he no one that good. No one knew who he was, but would have, they would have known Willie Mays. They were <laughs> Willie Mays was a pretty damn good athlete. He I mean, was, uh, he was an incredible. He was, athlete, incredible he was incredible. He was uh, incredible. 
Shit. All right. Um, now, without further ado, that does it for this week's episode. We thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, go tell a friend. It'd be fantastic. If you got this far in the podcast, it'd be even better. And then go tell a friend. And uh, we'll be back next week. Cheers. If you did make it this far in the podcast, send us a DM on Instagram and I got a free shirt for you. (laughs) Uh, The first listener to do that because we're not going to give out like that's right. The first one. There you go. There you go. Cool. All right. Cheers. Later, boys. (laughs) Later.